0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. My goodness, just when you thought that there was... So much good coming out of Revolution. I mean, damn, does AEW know how to follow up a big show with another big show? Well, we had three title matches last night, including one title change that my boy Trey over here called. Actually guaranteed it. He Babe Ruthed it. He pointed to the left center field wall and said Scorpio Sky is going to hit it there. And he did. He defeated Sammy Guevara for the TNT championship. And then Paige Van Zant signed her AEW contract on his girlfriend's ass. That's what happened last night to close out Dynamite. And there was so much other stuff that happened on this show. Tully Blanchard has been fired by FTR. Chris Jericho turned on the inner circle. Eddie Kingston and William Regal made grown men cry. Oh, and yeah, Jeff Hardy showed up last night. I mean, Jesus, Trey, they... You, you told me before we started recording, like, the, it, it was almost too much for one two-hour show. Almost.
0: Almost, yeah. We'll get, when we get into some of the other things, I'll I'll get into why I felt some of the things deserved a little bit more time to breathe. But, yeah, that's something – that's one of the reasons why AEW is, is so hot and is generally a better product on a week-to-week basis than WWE right now is because stuff
1: actually happens
0: every single week
1: and and stuff that matters and stuff that people are invested in like if you look at wwe on raw which was a a pretty decent show pretty good bra this week Mm -hmm. they followed up an incredible triple threat tag team match for the raw tag team titles which is all title change very very hot start to the show what they followed that up with a 24 7 title match and then the miz coming out there and crapping on his hometown well getting cheered by his hometown and then cutting a promo on his hometown to lead to absolutely nothing like unless the miz is fighting the city of cleveland at wrestlemania that whole segment didn't make any sense and they just completely cooled the entire night down you don't get that on dynamite or rampage on a week-to-week basis Hell, you don't have time to do that on rampage but dynamite man they just they know where they want to go. They have stories for everybody and more often than not it's really really good stuff. I'm not saying they haven't had stinker segments before. I mean we we did get not one but two Dan Lambert and Brandy Rose uh Brandy Rhodes, excuse me, uh promo segments. All right, mm-hmm. it's not all good. They're not firing on all cylinders at 24/7. But a majority of the time, man, they they are just hitting and they are on a heater right now. Uh, with every single one of these shows. And again, we have so much to get into. But first things first, football season uh, might be over. The offseason is just getting started. Had another quarterback change teams, Carson Wentz going to the Washington. What are they, the Gladiators, Commanders? I don't even know what the hell they're called anymore. They should just still be called the football team. Uh, But whatever, Carson Wentz is going to Washington. Good luck with that, D.C. But all the focus is on basketball. It is championship week. NBA playoffs going to be starting soon. And from all the latest odds, totals, players' performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website. Use your mobile devices to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That is B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds. It is the best in the business. Sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. And Trey Downey filling in once again for SP3, who will be back next week. He's on a much-deserved vacation this week. If you've been tuning in and wondering where he is, I haven't replaced him. Don't worry yet. Uh, but the the headliner from last night in a in a jam-packed show. Was the Hardy Boys reunion, Jeff Hardy showing up to save his brother after he was kicked out of a h what is it? A H F O. I can't even remember the damn letters, but now I guess it's just A F O because Andrade and Butcher and the blade and Isaiah Cassidy and the private party, Mark Quinn, they all voted Matt Hardy out and then jumped them. And then Jeff Hardy sure as hell took his sweet ass time. I don't know if he was signing autographs in the back. I don't know if he was finishing up, you know, dinner at catering or, or what was going on. But Matt Hardy's getting his ass kicked, and here comes Darby and Sting, and they're trying to make the save, and it's five on three at that point. And then all of a sudden, AEW is able to get that classic Hardy Boys theme. Fightful Select, the first to report today that they were working on getting that. And boy, did they get that quick. All of a sudden. That very, very famous beat drops, and the crowd goes nuts. And God bless Jeff Hardy. His brother's getting choked out, and he takes the time to dance his way down to the ring before making the ultimate save there at the end. A nice embrace. We all knew this was coming. We all knew this was coming tonight. This was the first day that Jeff was able to to work after his 90-day non-compete with WWE was up. This is another home run hire for for, for AEW and a no-brainer and Trey now they add a Hall of Fame tag team to an already stacked tag team division talk about the rich getting richer yeah
0: i think i think it is a great hire simply because of the publicity that they're going to get from this the nostalgia that surrounds jeff hardy is 100% evident you can see it any time on twitter just random days like jeff hardy will be trending on twitter because people are talking about their fond memories of him. And there are quite a few money matches for the Hardy Boys in AEW. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be a little disappointed if the Hardy Boys' first match in AEW is against the Butcher and the Blade. Like, I think it needs to be (laughs) (coughs) bigger than that. And that's part of the reason why I thought the debut was a little lackluster just simply because of what that AHFO faction or whatever it was. It wasn't it wasn't really doing much for me. I love Andrade as an in-ring performer, but his storyline so far in AEW have kind of been a letdown to me. And it's like this is the first thing we're getting hardy into. I will say that I did love the Darby and Sting inclusion simply because we got that visual of the of the, stare down, dar- yeah. of the Darby and Jeff stare down. That was really cool and I tweeted this out. I love the meat on the bone that is there between Jeff and Sting. Now, last night when we were talking, or yesterday when we were talking about our uh, favorite women's feuds, uh, I mentioned Awesome Kong and Gail Kim because I'm a big TNA guy. Not Impact Wrestling, not when they switched to Impact Wrestling, even though their product's actually really good now. But I love that era of TNA. And if you remember the whole fiasco of Jeff coming down to the ring impaired and that match, that was against Sting. Eleven years ago, almost to the day, at TNA Victory Road. So there's a you can dig into that. I think that is the real money match for the Hardys, and that might end up being what we see at Double or Nothing because I think you do the private party thing and all of that ahead of time. But Darby and Sting against against the Hardy Boys, there's a lot to that, and that's something that I would be excited about seeing uh, in the future for uh, the Hardy Boys. the the Young Bucks thing writes itself. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, ton of matches there. But I think Darby and Sting is really the one that they could uh, sink their teeth into story-wise.
1: Yeah, when uh, when Jeff made everything official and and the Hardy Boys were reunited, I started immediately just writing down the tag teams off the top of my head, right? Young Bucks, Hardy Boys, Red Dragon, Sting and Darby, FTR, The Acclaimed santana and ortiz house of black jurassic express isn't that sad that that is the ninth team that i wrote down and they're the current tag team champions uh private party gun club varsity blondes lucha brothers dark order top flight 2.0 best friends butcher and the blade and at that point i stopped oh wait and then i remembered we also added freaking john moxley and brian danielson to the tag team division i mean jesus Wait. Where does the bevy of riches st- I mean if you're a team like Private Party what chance do you stand? Like seriously, or Top Flight or any or Best Friends or g- god forbid Butcher and the Blade who probably will be the first team fed to the Hardy boys. Like I've said this before and I'll say it again, I don't think the AEW or the AEW Women's Championship is the most prestigious title in this company. It's the tag team championships because that's the deepest division. It is absolutely stacked and it's it's insane to me how you how, how you have all-star teams i mean you you're talking about some of the greatest tag teams of all time and they could go conceivably 2 or 3 years without winning tag team gold in this company it's insane to me
0: i mean are they are the hardy boys going to be around 2 or 3 years in the company that may maybe that's that's pushing it a little bit if you're going to give them a title run i think it needs to be fairly quickly at some point yeah. at at some point this year but yeah I
1: mean I'm talking about Hardy's young bucks I mean yeah. Red, it could be 2 years before Red Dragon wins the tag team titles it oh, could be sure. I mean who knows when FTR is going to get their hands back on the belts that's the thing they've just taken FTR completely out of the picture because they fired Tully Blanchard because Blanchard's like you need to be focusing on the tag titles and they're like screw that we want Red Dragon it's like they comp- I I appreciate the fact that they are willing to set up storylines for all these tag teams because they have to they know the the star potential in all of these tag teams. This is something that WWE has never gravitated towards. And I, I, it's, it's a budgetary thing with Vince McMahon. He doesn't like paying two guys to do the job of one, but that's his philosophy on things. But he's never valued tag team wrestling the way that AEW does. And they show clearly with this division that they've set up how profitable it can be. Oh yeah,
0: I'm with you, and it's a shame that Vince doesn't value tag team wrestling as much because look at what we just saw on Raw. Phenomenal match. Yeah. Some of the some of the best tag teams ever. You've got two of arguably the best tag teams ever in WWE right now in New Day in the Usos, and they have put on banger after banger after banger. But you you never see the tag titles really being the focus of a show. You kind of see that a little bit now with what they've been doing on Raw, or but you never see the tag titles main eventing a pay-per-view. And that is something that I feel like sh- should have and could have been done in WWE in the past, and we haven't seen it in AEW yet, but it is there are certainly matches that are uh capable of doing that and they do a good job of making the tag team division feel bigger than what WWE does, even though I do think maybe not from a depth perspective, but at the top, the tag teams are just as good in WWE as they are in AEW. In my opinion,
1: I would agree, but now I got to play devil's advocate. Cause you talk about how good that triple threat match was. Look at the teams in that match. Randy Orton, Matt Riddle, mm-hmm. Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and then alpha Academy. Those are all teams who have been tagging with one another for what? Less than a year. They're all yeah. makeshift tag teams. They're yeah. all, they're all singles competitors that, Vince McMahon threw together and said, okay, go be a tag team now. So uh, there's there's two ways to look at it. You do have your traditional tag teams in WWE. You talk about New Day, obviously, the Usos, and I think the Street Profits sooner or later are going to be up if they keep them together long enough, because I know that there's a push going on in WWE to get Montez Ford, his singles push, sooner rather than later. And the unfortunate part with that is WWE is not interested in pushing people as a singles competitor or giving a tag team, you know, competitor, a singles run, unless that means they have to turn on their partner first. Like it's, they, they never let like the Kofi Kingston winning the WWE championship while it was still a collection of the new day. That's like the only time they really have let that happen in the last like 10 years, like gone are the days of like evolution or DX where you have multiple members who are going after singles championships. He just doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. Look at what,
0: look at what they did with Big E. they completely separated him from new day before he got before he got his title run
1: and now he's out of the main event scene and now he's tagging with kofi kingston which is i and not calling them the the i don't know the, the whole thing is weird we and yeah. could, we could we could talk about that that's for another show to be completely honest with you focusing here on jeff hardy though uh, another reason why this is so valuable you talk about this guy the nostalgia is real right mm-hmm. it i know he has the there are those people out there who aren't fans of Jeff Hardy and they never have gotten the appeal. But you have to respect the fact that that appeal is very real. I was at Extreme Rules in Columbus when that was a triple threat match for the United States Championship that night. This was like during peak Damian Priest cool guy run. That crowd in Columbus, they wanted Jeff Hardy to win the United States Championship that night. He got the loudest Pop of the night for anybody not named Alexa Bliss. By the way, that's her hometown of Columbus, Ohio. You wouldn't know that by the fact that she wasn't there two Raws ago. Anywho, but everywhere Jeff Hardy goes, I have been to three live events in the last year where he has been there and he has gotten the biggest pop of the night or one of the top two, period. End of story. It is crazy to me that WWE didn't try to capitalize on on that because they didn't really use Jeff Hardy in a meaningful way for the last year that they've had him. And then they this whole incident, and they just let him go. AEW has a home run here because they can use him in the Hardy Boys. And I still think that he has a legit singles run left in him as well. And you want to talk about meat on the bone, right? You talk about him and Sting. I'm looking at him and CM Punk. Yep. In the same company, at the same time. What a time to be alive. Whenever CM Punk wins the AEW championship, which I do believe will happen, maybe not this year, but maybe early next year, his first opponent needs to be Jeff Hardy. You got him there. You got to pull the trigger. I think that's that. It See, nobody plays on history the way that CM Punk does. Well, in love of God, give me Jeff Hardy and CM Punk. Get well, a to be to be honest, I think that uh, I don't think that we're far away
0: from seeing a CM Punk and adam page feud and i think that there will be callbacks to the cm punk and jeff hardy feud whenever they do that in AEW.
1: well and and you look cm punk even in his response to mjf a couple of weeks ago was talking about all the, like the the heinous stuff that he's done uh to to addicts and things like that again cm punk's not afraid to go there he's not afraid to travel down that road and and lean back on all the, the heinous stuff that whether whether it is what he did with Chris Jericho or whether it is what he did with uh, with Jeff Hardy or any of these other guys so uh, it, it, it's going to be fun this is a home run hire and adding Matt and Jeff back together again the rich get richer but I do want to focus on the Hardy boys here as we start uh, our, our our daily five count here it's time to answer the five count on the believe podcast network When you talk about the Hardy Boys trade, this is a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Fame tag team. And I'm really happy that Jeff turned down WWE's offer to go into the WWE Hall of Fame solo because it should be the Hardy Boys that go in together. They are one of the greatest tag teams of all time. This is one of those that's kind of impossible to answer, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I'll let you go first on this one because I'm such a nice guy. Where do you rank them? Where do you rank the Hardys on the all-time great tag team list? I think they have to be top
0: 10. I'm not sure if I necessarily put them in the top five. I think that there are – I mentioned – I. This might be an unpopular opinion, but the two teams that I mentioned in WWE right now, Usos and New Day, I put both of those ahead of the Hardy Boys. Um, If you want to talk about the Hardy Boys era in WWE, the, the two teams that they're associated most with, Edge and Christian and the Dudleys, just personal preference, I put Edge and Christian over them, but I do think I put the Hardy's ahead of the Dudley Boys. Those are just three teams that come to mind initially that I would rank over, over the Hardy boys, but then when you're when you're digging back further, I don't know what you do with like the Steiner brothers, Legion of Doom. There are so many tag teams out there. I do think if you're ranking tag teams all time, I'm just not the biggest Young Bucks fan in the world. So if you want to throw that comparison out, I put the Hardys ahead of the Young Bucks. Now that I'm starting to do this, they might be top five, but I do have at least three teams ahead of them uh as far as the the greatest of all
1: time so with a question like this for me it's it's almost like in the nfl when people start trying to compare quarterbacks like when somebody says oh well who is better peyton manning or johnny unitas i don't know man that's two completely different sports like the game has changed so much and tag team wrestling has changed so much over the last few decades so when you start talking you know going back you know before i was born with like the the road warriors and the steiners and you know even in the the 90s when i was just getting starting to watch wrestling you talk about harlem heat and all these great tag teams it's like i don't know how to compare them with some of these tag teams today like i i wouldn't even know where to begin comparing like harlem heat to the new day right so it's it's one of those things where i have to take what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, Recency. Uh, You know, like the I got to focus on my time watching wrestling. So no disrespect to anybody over the age of 34 who's watching this. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, they are slam dunk in the top five. I agree with you. New Day and Usos are there. But if you look at the Hardys and even the Dudleys as well, like it's it's their success, not just in WWE but across multiple promotions across the entire world, like they've been able to stay together and the longevity that they have winning championships in every single promotion. I think if they win the AEW tag team titles, the Hardy boys, they make a very strong case uh, to be the number one team on this list. Um, You could give me an hour. Hell, you could give me a, a week to just watch tape and try to compile a top five list. And I don't know if I'd be able to, to accurately put in place edge and christian the dudleys uh the hardys new day and the usos i just don't know if i could do it oh and by the way i'm completely forgetting like the new age outlaws and and some of these other like legendary tag teams as well so they're top five for me but this is this is one of those questions that's just fun to throw out there i think if i had to pinpoint i'd probably put them at number two behind edge and christian who i think are and those and i'm biased as well i I will admit my bias because when i first started watching wrestling was right as both of those two teams were coming up Mm -hmm. jeff hardy and edge are my dudes like i grew up as i watched their careers blossom as they went from uh enhancement talent who was getting you know squashed on monday night raw pre-shows to winning world championships all right so i i followed their careers my entire life as a pro wrestling fan so those two will always be my guys so i will put edge and christian one i will put the hardys too but if they win the aew tag team champions and again longevity goes into this edge and christian haven't been tagging for forever for forever since 2000 what five 2004 and they had they haven't even had a tag team match and the injuries had a lot to do with that but yeah man you look at longevity i think the hardys They got an argument to be number one. They really, really do. Uh, We do have a new TNT champion, Scorpio Sky, defeating Sammy Guevara in the main event last night. Uh, This is a long time coming for for Scorpio Sky becomes the first uh, person in AEW history to win the tag team titles and the TNT championship. This is a story that has been playing out for Sammy. You could see the writing on the wall, whether it was going to be this week or next week versus Wardlow, they just kept playing into this story of, you know, he just kept pushing himself too hard, talking about eight title matches in, in two months and 10 matches in his last uh, you know, 10 weeks or whatever it was that Excalibur threw out there tonight. And he was battered. He was bruised. The the freaking 540 through the table. My God, the guy hit the hit the floor so hard i'm surprised it didn't leave a crater like seriously like they didn't even need the outside interference to be completely honest with you scorpio sky could have beat him clean he was so battered and bruised you just saw it coming this is this is a big win for scorpio sky obviously but now he's got a big test next week in wardlow who got to cut a really long and really good promo for I believe the first time in his AEW career, we finally get to see this man talk extensively and he's good on the mic as well. What are, What are we thinking about next week for St. Patty's day slam? Do we think Scorpio sky is, is one and done? Is it Wardlow's time next week? Did they put the title on him to do baby face versus heel or is MJF lurking in the shadows there? Make you a little weary about Wardlow's chances next week.
0: I'm a little leery about Wardlow's chances and I kind of think that that would be the right move to keep Wardlow without the title for now because I think as we've seen they mentioned it tonight but if you would ask me just simply because of the way that he's been used and because I don't really watch Dark and Elevation that much if I have time to get to it I'll check it out if if somebody if there's a big match on on social media that everybody's loving I'll check it out but Scorpio Sky hadn't been pinned or submitted in a year and you would not know that until, until tonight. And I think AEW needs to put more focus on Scorpio sky. I think he deserves that. And to see him go through a one and done kind of title reign, a one week title reign, which is something that we haven't really seen AEW do, I think would be a disservice to Scorpio sky. And I think that the MJF and Wardlow storyline is big enough to where it doesn't need the title to where Scorpio Sky with the TNT title, it makes every storyline that Scorpio Sky is in feel bigger. Now, could MJF some? Could they you know kind of play with things and have MJF help Wardlow win the title because he wants a TNT title match? Or they're going to try and play into the, that thing that he needs to give him the title? That's possible, but I think that if if I were Tony Khan, I go with keeping the title on Scorpio Sky because if i say it time and time again in wwe they throw the title on something that doesn't necessarily need it whereas you can take the title and make something feel bigger and i would like to see scorpio sky continue to be utilized and i think having the tnt title will certainly help that
1: yeah and i think they they kind of laid the seeds for the stories moving forward with american top team you know dan lambert and, and ethan page ethan page by the way is another guy who tweeted out the other day that he celebrated his one-year anniversary in AEW, and I'm going, my God, they really haven't used you a whole lot in that you've spent more time sitting in the stands next to Dan Lambert than you have really kind of wrestling on television, which is a disservice to him. But also, it shows you how deep the AEW roster really is. Um, I would like to see a a big story for them, and they kind of laid the groundwork tonight with that. Uh, with Paige Van Zandt signing her AEW contract. Now you have Scorpio Sky with the TNT championship. You've got Sammy and you've got Ty Conti now. That seems like a, a recipe for a very personal storyline down the road, and it makes more sense for the TNT title to be there because that's kind of Sammy's baby. It's been his baby for, for a while now through both of his uh, his title runs. So that makes more sense to me. And whether it's MJF, or it's Sean Spears. I could definitely see MJF just sending Sean Spears down to do his dirty work and hitting Wardlow with a chair, maybe cause or even hitting Scorpio sky and causing a disqualification. Right. And having Wardlow lose that way. Um, I I see that kind of being the route it's going to go. And and you heard Wardlow say that in his, uh, in his promo last night, he's like, look, I want to, I'm willing to make this a clean break. If you are, there's no way in hell that MJF Mm -hmm. is going to let that slide after he cost him a match against CM Punk. I was a little surprised we didn't see MJF last night, but it makes sense considering the match that he went through on Sunday. They gave him a week off. He'll show back up on St. Patty's Day, cost Wardlow the match. Uh, I, I definitely see how that is going to go. Speaking of Wardlow, I will be talking to Wardlow on Friday. That interview will be dropping on Monday here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel and the podcast channel itself. Make sure to like. Share. Subscribe. Don't miss out on that. Really looking forward to this one. This will be our first AEW interview on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel, so make sure uh, to check it out. We had a lot of people uh, breaking up last night, Trey, on uh, on AEW Dynamite. We had a really uh, emotional moment between what appeared to be babyface Chris Jericho again uh, giving Eddie Kingston his flowers and and vice versa, and those two shaking hands in the center of the ring, and then comes down Blockhead and the Daniel Garcia and the rest of 2.0. And Jericho just laid the trap, right? Because he wanted Santana and Ortiz to come down there and make the save for their friends. And then he just busts out Lucille and, and, and takes them all out. And we we see T- Jericho's true colors. And now we have set up, what do they call it? jericho appreciation society guys inner circle 2.0 was right there it was right there like is it just too obvious that you didn't want to go that route but okay fine we're gonna go with the self-serving jericho appreciation society uh jake hager comes down he lines himself with chris jericho so inner circle is no more and then in a kind of a blink and you miss it segment or if a hey i picked the wrong time to go to the bathroom uh segment of the night you would have missed ftr firing tully blanchard last night tully wanted them to focus on tag team gold they wanted to focus on red dragon they told tully to hit the brick so trey i'll ask you which is the bigger deal jericho turning on the inner circle or ftr firing tully blanchard
0: so which am i more interested in and in which is going to be a bigger deal on AEW TV moving forward, I think are two different things. I'm interested in the FTR firing Tolly Blanchard because it kind of came out of nowhere. And I mentioned at the top of the show that I was going to get into something something where I kind of felt like it was fitting too much into one thing. I feel like that's, that is a big deal and it's something that deserved more lead up, in my opinion, and, des- and deserved more than just a throwaway backstage segment where, as you mentioned, if you just went to the bathroom at long- at the wrong time, you kind of missed it. Now, AEW, if you look at their tag team division, they do have the addition of the Hardy Boys in there, but you do need more teams on the babyface side. And maybe that's where they're going with, with FTR, especially with you know, Wardlow and MJF splitting, where does that leave the pinnacle? So I want to see how that plays out. And I think it could be, uh, I think it could be a pretty big deal. FTR being used in general and facing other great tag teams is always uh, a good thing in my book. The Jericho turning turning on the inner circle thing is, is interesting for a variety of reasons as well. Jericho, I think based on this most recent run, I was ready for Jericho, to turn heel. Uh, if you would have asked me uh, if I thought that he was going to align himself with a new faction, I wouldn't have called that but then as soon as Daniel Garcia and 2.0 walked out to the ring, I couldn't tweet fast enough that I thought that Jericho was going to turn and it was super telegraphed, but I kind of liked what? liked it at the same time because if you look at how 2.0 was going after Jericho in the corner, they weren't really. And Jericho was kind of just was kind of just
1: laying there. So selling, it, he was selling the neck, right? You know, yes. a bad bump he took on Sunday. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was telegraphed a little bit. And I think Jericho fits in really well with with that group. And, you know, now we're obviously going to see them continue the feud with Eddie Kingston and with uh, with uh, Santana and Ortiz as well. And maybe this is something that might lead to the second ever uh, blood and guts match. Cause I think we're getting close to the time last year when, when they ran that. So maybe that's where this eventually leads, but Santana and Ortiz needed the split. I think they're going to do well on their own. If they keep them with King with Kingston, I think that's good for all three guys as well. And I do think that this elevates 2.0 and Garcia to a level that they weren't going to get to with just the three of them there. Now, Actually, start letting those guys win some matches if you want them to mean something too
1: yeah, and that is exactly my answer on this. It's a bigger deal to me, not that really Jericho turned on the inner circle that's that's whatever for me, it's aligning himself with Daniel Garcia in two because that means that aew wants Daniel Garcia and two in a bigger position on the in the company they want him them next to chris Jericho, and I actually saw people complaining. That they were putting Daniel Garcia with Chris Jericho because they wanted Daniel Garcia with Daniel Bryan and John Moxley. This is, you know, again, it, it, it's one of those things where, oh, it's not what I wanted. So I'm going to complain about it. This is, this, this means just as much. This is just as good. All right. Jericho is going to be in a prominent position when he is on television and AEW TV. He just is. So that means that Daniel Garcia and 2.0 are going to instantly be elevated by putting themselves alongside Chris Jericho. This is a good thing. I know people don't like Chris Jericho. That's fine. That's your preference. This is still a good thing for Daniel Garcia. His his stock just went up in AEW. So if you're if you're a Daniel Garcia fan, you should be happy this morning. Besides, doesn't look like John Moxley and Daniel Bryan. Excuse me, Bryan Danielson. Old habits die hard. Uh, It doesn't look like they're going to be adding anybody to that group anytime soon. The the the, I think the pipe dream of Daniel Bryan focusing on, like, building up the future. I think that's on hold for right now, because I think William Regal has inserted himself here and has other plans. I think William Regal is trying to. I I don't know, like. Upgrade or renovate or I I don't know. He he's trying to to put these two on a on a good path together and create some magic with just them first. So it's like that's gonna be the focus there. Adding in Daniel Garcia and other people into that mix like right away, I think is too much too soon. So this is good news for Daniel Garcia and 2.0. They're gonna be with uh, Chris Jericho, they're gonna be in a in a high profile spot. Uh, with Santana against Santana and Ortiz and Eddie Kingston as, as a trio. So I think all of that's going to work really well. And then Jake Hager will make his way in and out as he always does. Where does Sammy Guevara? Eh, he's kind of up in the air and he has been for several weeks now. So bottom line, inner circle is no more. We have Jericho appreciation society. Cool. I agree with you. The, the, the firing of Tully Blanchard was very abrupt, very quick. And honestly, I almost missed it because I almost walked out of the room to go to the bathroom, which is why exactly I said that I almost missed the entire thing. And I hate when that happens. When I come back and everybody's talking about something on Twitter, I'm like, what the match? What? How the hell did I miss a segment? I was gone for 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's how quick that was. It was blank and you miss it. It just seemed very abrupt. I'm interested to see where that's going to go. I'm interested to see if Tully just disappears like Chavo Guerrero did. Uh, or if he comes back and this becomes a whole thing, maybe Tully Blanchard aligns himself with another tag team. I don't know. Um, but I think the bigger deal here is not necessarily Jericho turning on the inner circle, but him aligning himself with Daniel Garcia and 2.0. I think that is a good thing uh, for those young guys. Now we talked about Eddie Kingston. We talked about William Regal. Both of those guys got on the microphone and it got real. Um, very, very fast. It got very, very deep for both gentlemen and two completely different kind of promos, but still talking about their their inner demons. And if you missed, I I, I can't even do either one justice by, by describing it, so I'm not even going to attempt here, but man, I was not expecting to tear up at once watching AEW Dynamite last night, let alone twice within like a half hour. So Trey, were you with me? And who made you cry more, Eddie Kingston or William Regal?
0: I'll be honest, I didn't shed a tear this time, but both hit me in different ways. And the Eddie Kingston one hit me because I can identify with some of the self-confidence issues I think all of us can, especially before before a, a big deal and how I'm one of the biggest overthinkers in the world and I can get in my own head before before something that's that's a huge opportunity happens. And I have, you know, cost myself big opportunities in the past. But then once you get over that point and you realize your own strengths and that other people believe in you, that's a big deal. And a lot of people can identify with that. And that's why so many people identify with Eddie Kingston. And then the Regal one was huge as well. The thing that got me in the Regal one was not even necessarily – when he was tearing up talking about Tony Schiavone and talking to Tony and all of that, the thing that got me in that one was looking at Daniel Bryan's face or Bryan Danielson's face when he was telling him that he was the perfect wrestler and he's the wrestler that he should have been if he didn't have all of those demons. And I could see that 1 million percent. And we've seen it through the years, kind of the, the starts and stops a little bit with William Regal. We've heard the stories about Stone Cold wanting to to work with him. Uh, We saw when he won King of the Ring and then he got suspended shortly after. There were a ton of start and stops with William Regal. And Brian Danielson has shown what a wrestler in that style could truly become. So they both hit me in different ways. Both were emotional for different reasons, but both were very good.
1: Yeah. So uh, the Eddie Kingston one got me for the exact same reason that you've, you've said this, because I've, I've been very open and honest that I have massive self-confidence issues. Uh, I'm a guy who will go from, you know, thinking, damn, that was really freaking good. Something that I just did. And then within the hour. Like I'm agonizing over how bad it was like, cause that's how much that I get inside my own head. And I create 90 million problems within my own head. Like I'm the kind of guy who is very hesitant to even ask somebody the simplest of questions because I don't want to be a bother. Like that is just how I live my everyday life. Constantly thinking that I'm bothering people just by existing. That's that's where I am. All right. And that is a struggle that I'm going to have to deal with for a very, very long time. So listening to Eddie talk about that and and not wanting to, to try and wanting to give up and and I've been there. I've done that. I've had to fight through that. So, yes, that that got to me. But the William Regal thing hit me for a completely different reason, because. um, For those who don't know, I have done some pro wrestling training. I worked with uh, Jimmy Yang for over a year and. Seemingly every training session, Jimmy would bring up William Regal and how he did this and how and it always kind of brought him up as, you know, a shining example of how to do everything perfectly. And it's it's kind of amazing because there would be younger people there who had no idea who William Regal was. And that was mind boggling to me. And that's kind of like an embodiment of of William Regal. Like he had and he talked about that. He had all the tools to be somebody of the caliber of the rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin or even of Daniel Bryan. And he he just kept constantly getting in his own way. And he was able to pass his knowledge and skills and and teach Daniel Bryan everything not to do. And when he said that, you know, Danielson had ascended to become what he never could be, that just struck me and you could see it in Brian's face. And more importantly, it was also John Moxley. Moxley did a much better job of holding it in, but you could tell that he was struggling as well listening to to William Regal talk. Uh William Regal was if you haven't read John Moxley's book, he was very uh and a very important figure in his early days uh in NXT from promo class onto their feud that they had with one another if you don't if you haven't read Mox's book do it it's a fantastic read don't have a whole, a whole a lot of time to go into it but it's it it's just such as Vince would say good shit seeing William Regal now in AEW and a chance to kind of have like one last glorious ride vicariously through two of his protégés, two of his students who have gone on to become major superstars. There was a point three years ago where John Moxley was the hottest wrestler on the planet. He was the number one superstar. Daniel Bryan won the Undisputed World Championship in the main event of WrestleMania. Those are heights that, that William Regal himself said he could never reach. And man, it just... It just hit you and you're you, you're you're happy for William Regal that he's getting this spotlight now and he's just all class and I, I can't wait to just watch these three guys work together
0: I'm with you and you said live vicariously through Moxley and, and Danielson I think we're going to see William Regal in an AEW ring wrestling at some point
1: That would be tough. I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm not saying I'd be against that. I just don't know if Regal would would want to do that at this point. He's he's 53. He's getting up there. You know, he he he's getting up there. He's he's nine, he what? He's nine years younger than a guy who dived through uh f- you know four tables off a balcony just mm-hmm. this past Sunday. I don't know. We're all cut differently. Uh, real quick to to wrap up the the five count here, another great uh, promo from Jade Cargill. She wants to know who is next to get her kiss of death, which was really good. I, I was wondering why she decided to make out with Ty Conti on Sunday. Um, who do you want to see challenge Jade Cargill next? The the I mean that that if you look at the women's roster, there's really not a clear challenger there. To be completely honest with you,
0: so AEW's women' ro- women's roster I think is still fairly thin. I mean, you have. Your elites at the top. You have Britt Baker, you have Thunder Rosa, you have Jade. And then I think that there is a pretty big drop-off. You could throw Ruby Soho up into the top top of the mix, but I don't
1: we haven't don't, really seen her a whole lot in the last few weeks.
0: Yeah. And I don't see her like she's she's a great in-ring performer, but I don't see her at the star level that I can see Baker, Rosa, and Cargill getting to. That just my opinion there. There are a couple of interesting names. We haven't seen Jade in the ring with Chris Statlander just yet. So I think that that, that is an option. But I'm going to go outside of AEW. And AEW is going to be in Texas multiple times over the next couple of months. They're going to be there for uh, for St. Paddy's Day Slam in, Saint, in San Antonio. And then they're going to be in Houston. And there is a certain former WWE and NXT performer who I think would be a great fit in AEW, who did her training down in one Houston, Texas with Booker Mm. T the, the former Ember moon. Now Mm. Athena, I think would be a great opponent for Jade Cargill. I don't know if I necessarily want to see Jade lose just yet. So I don't know if I want to see, uh, Athena coming in on a loss, but I think that would be a phenomenal match. And I think that that's someone that could help Jade out as she continues to grow as an in-ring performer.
1: Athena is, for my money, one of the best women's performers on the planet. Uh, It was a total disservice what WWE did to her when she got up to the main roster. Uh, She never should have been chasing a 24-7 title in the first damn place. uh, And she never should have been let go. Like I I don't know what... There's part of me that still thinks that she didn't want to go back to the main roster, which is why she was split from, uh, from Shotzi when Shotzi went up. Um, and I wouldn't blame her in that situation, but the fact that WWE just looked at Athena and said, nah, we don't need you is still mind boggling to me. And I would be all for her being an AEW. There are several. I'm, I'm also going on the outside here. Uh, I, I figured maybe you would pick one of these three, which is why I'm glad I narrowed it down to these three. Cause at least I could say the other two of uh, Valkyrie would be a, a home run uh, for me as well. Uh, that is somebody who could come in there and give Jade a really, really good match and I think has enough equity on her card, much like uh, uh, Athena as well, uh, that, you know, they could take that loss and it, it, it wouldn't hurt them so much, but it would greatly benefit the women's division by having them in there. I would love to see both of them sign AEW contracts and add to that women's depth to make that bench bigger. But if I'm picking one, I'm going with somebody who is an absolute star and should have been a star in WWE. But of course, they finally give her a damn title match and they build it around a fucking pie. And it was ridiculous. She's only like 22, 23, 24 years old. You could build your entire women's division around her for years. Tony time, baby. Give me Tony Storm in AEW. Even if she loses to Jade Cargill, fine, whatever. All right, it, there's, there's a big size advantage there. That's not a big deal to me because, again, that's somebody that you can invest in heavily over the next few years. I would be excited for any one of the three to face Jade Cargill, win, lose, or draw, just because that means they're in AEW, and I think all three of them should be in AEW, and they are so quick. Tony Khan is so quick to sign up these big boys, like the big guy free agents that pop up out there. Yes, I know he signed Mercedes Martinez. He just signed Paige Van Sant, and that's all well and good. He did bring in Ruby Soho. But man, there's there's a lot of room there in that women's division to grow. And those are three home run hires. If they want to, to sign to AEW, which I don't know why they wouldn't, bring any one of them three in men. Throw, Nixon,
0: throw Nixon Newell Tegan Knox into yep, that mix as that's well. That's another one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think. Um, and, and she, she has even said herself that it was like, she saw the writing on the wall, the main roster. They didn't want women like her, you know, who wrestle. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means, but I know that she's a hell of a a great wrestler and AEW is a place to go. So yeah, sign all four of them. I'm good with that. Uh, one more quick one for the road. Uh, speaking of signing contracts, Fightful Select confirming uh, a story that dropped on the Kurt Angle podcast. Uh, first Miro. A name that we've kind of forgotten about because he hasn't been on TV for quite some time and signed a four year contract extension with AEW. Your reaction, sir? Just get him back
0: on TV. Thank He's you. one of the been phenomenal since they got him away from Kip Sabian. Get him on TV. Give me the Miro and Keith Lee match. Give me Miro feuding with Hangman Page. Put all the titles on Miro. Heck, bring bring CJ Perry slash Lana in there. Another one they could add to
1: the women's division, absolutely.
0: As is valet. Give me more
1: Miro. I would love it if after Hangman and uh Jurassic Express win this triple threat or this uh trios match next week uh with Adam Cole and and Red Dragon, that Miro shows up and sticks Adam Page. I would really really love that a lot. The only thing that would be hesitant of me to do that is if he co- shows up and gets in a program with Hangman Adam Page, I would want to put the title on him. Yep. And I would I would want it to happen immediately. And I don't know if that if AEW has that in their plans, but they really freaking should. That is all I'm going to say, Trey. It has been uh, fun having you on the show for this uh, this past week. I appreciate you pinch hitting and filling in for for SP3 again. I'll let the people know where they can find you and find your stuff.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at tdexperience. Check out the Bucks Nation podcast, and you can find me on the Motor Racing
1: Network as well. That is the Tampa Bay Bucks, not the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Bucs, not BucK. All right. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at Rick Uchino. For those listening on the podcast, that is R I C K U C C H I N O. Again, uh, Monday, three o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the afternoon. My conversation with Wardlow will be dropping here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast and YouTube channel. So, again, make sure to like, share, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, me and SP3 will be back with you Monday, 7 a.m. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy SmackDown, enjoy Rampage. Hopefully, both shows are really, really good. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for
0: listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.